Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi everyone, Tara here with the Mom Manual. We have a super exciting guest today, Luna Feehan, founder of Legendary Milk. Welcome to the podcast, Luna. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We are excited. This is going to be a really fun conversation all about lactation. So for all the breastfeeding mamas out there, this podcast is definitely for you. Luna, will you tell us your your story and how you became the founder of this company? Of course, I'd love to. So I, I actually had my firstborn in 2015, and um, I had these ideas in my mind of what breastfeeding would look like. I had taken a breastfeeding class. I thought, I've got this. I'm ready to go. And um, he was actually born premature and unfortunately could not latch or feed effectively at the breast. So I ended up starting to exclusively pump, which I always thought was going to be kind of a short-term thing. Eventually he'd get the hang of nursing and we'd go back to that, but he actually never did. Um, So we exclusively pumped for about a year and a half. And during that time, I also experienced chronic low supply. So did a ton of research on, you know, what are the causes of low supply? Um, How frequently does it happen to other women? Um, And, you know, what are some, some solutions for it? So um, I feel like I'm kind of an exclusive pumping pro at this point. Uh, We went through so many hurdles through that year and a half, and I learned so much about how to maximize milk supply. Um, Initially, I just thought it was something where you you plug in the pump, put the flanges on your breast, and the milk just starts to flow. And it's really not like that. There's it can be very time intensive. It can be emotionally and physically draining pumping, you know, sometimes eight to 12 times a day in the beginning, there's definitely some, some key things you can do. And I wish someone had told me these things. So I, I always love to share it publicly for anyone who's going through this journey right now. There are definitely some things you can be doing to, to kind of help maximize that milk. I think this is one thing that I struggled. I had four kids and I actually, like you moved to exclusively pumping, um, with my third. And that was really just for a time piece because my first three were all born within two and a half years. So I had a two and a half year old, a 17 month old and a newborn. And I just literally could not sit down for those, like you said, eight times a day for Mm -hmm. taking like 40 minutes, but I found that I could pump almost on the go and it would go a lot faster. And so it's same thing. I thought, okay, well, this is just temporary. And then I'll get into a groove or I'll get more help, but it, that's how I just always did it. But I definitely struggled with all four of my kids. And I remember at the time thinking I was the only one and prepping for this podcast, I looked up some information on the CDC and it actually says that 67% of women struggle with breastfeeding. So that is really, I mean, that's the majority of people. It's really the minority that are having an easy time and, you know, and I think that's a combination of if you're going back to work, physically having the time and the space to breastfeed. And then for some people like yourself with a baby with tongue tie, just not being able to truly latch. And this, this is all your personal experience and knowing others are going through this. It led you to start your company. Can you tell us a little bit about that and and your mission? Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually, uh, and I 
I have so much respect and appreciate what the lactation community does in terms of IBCLCs out there who are extremely advanced in, in their training when it comes to infant feeding issues. I happen to just work with one who was not as well versed on tongue ties and lip ties and wasn't able to assess properly for that. So it took six years before my son was, uh, was properly diagnosed by a pediatric dentist and we were able to get those released. So mm-hmm. I always just say, preface it, you know, do your research on, you know, the IBCLC that you're working with, make sure that they understand how to do a full oral functional assessment because it's key. It's integral to you being able to maintain your breastfeeding relationship and and hopefully thrive. You know, breastfeeding shouldn't be painful, but for many women it is. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we quit is it's difficult. It's painful. It's, it's, it's hard to do that long-term when you're in pain every time the baby latches. So I started, you know, the business because, um, I worked with a a lactation consultant who understood that I was dealing with chronic low milk supply and recommended fenugreek, which, you know, six years ago, fenugreek was kind of the only herb available for milk supply. It was in pills. They had cookies there were teas. Um, So I, I took a tincture and unfortunately I had some kind of gnarly side effects with it, um, and could not continue. Yeah, it was not, it was not fun. And so I started doing research kind of on some of the, the side effects of, you know, that can happen with it, that can occur and found that I was not alone um, in experiencing that. And so I started doing research on what women in different cultures kind of all over the world have been using to help promote milk, milk production. Mm-hmm. Um, things like goat's through moringa, um, fennel, milk thistle. And I ordered all of the herbs and I ground them up and encapsulated them. And I became my own guinea pig. Basically, I would test out different formulations to see what worked best for me. And at this point, there was no plan for this to be a full-fledged business. It was going to be more of a fun hobby where I would create these blends and I put them on sale on Etsy. And I thought, you know, I have a newborn. If I get one order a week, it'll just be kind of a fun side project. Um, and someone in a Facebook breastfeeding group happened to purchase one of our products and had great success with it, increasing her milk supply. And she posted it in this Facebook group. And I remember I got like 50 orders overnight, which I was not expecting. I was not prepared for. And honestly, it just has grown from there. And I think the reason why moms appreciate our brand and what we can provide in their breastfeeding journey is because of the support and education. We have a team of lactation educators who provide really relevant, up-to-date, um, just really helpful information around nursing and pumping, you know, tips and tricks, things to do when you have a clogged duct, um, how to maximize milk supply with pumping, what to do if baby's not um, latching and nursing effectively. And um, we hear it all the time about how how helpful this knowledge has been for moms and why they keep coming back to our brand to learn more. So for for me, and um, especially because I did have such a difficult journey with, with breastfeeding and pumping, it's really important to me that the support and education comes first and the product second. So yeah, that's us in a nutshell. And it's, it's, I think that's amazing. We were talking about this before the podcast started. If you look at their Instagram page and ultimately they are a company that sell a commercial product, you don't see their product anywhere. It's all about education, those tips and those tricks and really making this breastfeeding and motherhood journey easier. So I, I love what you guys are doing. I think it's super awesome. Um, and then of course you have the products that work really well and the community behind it. 
So today you are going to give us three actionable takeaways for those moms who are breastfeeding. Do you want to jump into the first one? Sure. Just, you know, in general, how to maximize milk output when you're pumping. I think I talked a little bit about this, how, you know, what I initially thought this was going to be is you could use any old pump and, you know, attach your flanges and you're good to go. Um, when really the quality of the equipment that you're using is, is highly important. So you want to ensure that you have a high quality breast pump that doesn't necessarily need to be a a hospital grade rental. There's some amazing brands out just in the last few years. It's wonderful to see so much innovation around breast pumps, but finding a high quality breast pump. I ideally like something that does not have to be pumped into the wall because I think it's hard enough to pump and then to be tethered to the wall the entire time just adds another layer of frustration and anxiety around pumping that you, you don't you don't need. And so high quality pump is important using your hands, which I'll talk a little bit about as well, but that's, oh my gosh, one of the most important tips I can give is use your hands when you're pumping, you will get so much more milk output. The other thing is having a cadence and a frequency, um, with your pump pumping. Typically I recommend pumping at least eight times in a 24 hour period in the beginning, when you you're initially starting out to kind of really establish a very robust milk supply. One of the key things to do is that middle of the night milk removal sometime between two to 4 AM. It's really important. I know it's so hard to do, but to get up in the middle of the night and pump, this is typically when your prolactin levels are at their peak and prolactin is our milk making hormone. So you may find oftentimes that you feel more engorged or you have a higher milk output in the middle of the night. So I highly recommend pumping during that time period, especially if you're someone who doesn't actually have a very robust supply. You have just a, a normal milk supply, which most of us do, and that's expected. But if you're looking to create a small stash or you just want that extra milk, you know, just for you know a rainy day or for another family member or your spouse to be able to um, help feed the baby, I highly recommend pumping in the middle of the night. The, the other tip I would have is flange size. So initially when you are opening up your, your breast pump, you're going to find that most pump manufacturers offer a 24 or 28 millimeter flange size. And I will say just after thousands of sizings that we've done. So we offer that as a service where we, um, you submit your photos and videos of you pumping and some measurements, and we're able to tell you what uh, what be, would be an optimal flange size for you. So after doing thousands of those sizings, we found the majority of women are not a 24 or 28 millimeter for their flange size. Oh, most are, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to think that that's what's offered the most, but there really isn't any uh, validity to them. So what we found is that most women um, lie somewhere between 19 to 21 millimeters for their flange size. So I highly recommend getting size. It doesn't have to be through us. If you even have just a ruler at home, um, we offer a free printable ruler that you can print off with some instructions and you can use it for really any sort of tape measure or ruler that you have at home. I highly recommend sizing yourself so that you're using the flange size that's going to help maximize your milk output. If something is too big, it's going to start pulling in your areolar tissue and it's going to start suffocating um, the milk sacs where that are going to need to be released for milk, right? So, um, you're going to, um, reduce your milk output. If it's too small, the same thing, you can also cause some friction 
which can be painful and cause some sore nipples and even some abrasions long-term if you're continuing to use a size that is not right for you. So I highly recommend getting sized as early as possible in your pumping journey if you can, but that doesn't mean that you know, you can't switch at six months postpartum. I did that. I ended up starting with a 24 and by six months into my journey, I was using a 13 millimeter. So, you know, okay. anyone listening right now, please, please. That would be one of my main tips is if you're, you're experiencing any pain or discomfort with pumping, please get sized because it should never hurt. Luna, um, this is so much information. I want to unpack it a little bit. So uh, we'll start with the flange size. So sure. it comes with a 24 and a 28. How do you get the other sizes? Is that something you can buy separate? Yes, absolutely. So, so, and I'm so sorry. I'm like rambling because this is something I'm super passionate about. And I, um, I, these are all the things I wish someone had told me. So, you know, you're always, anyone who's listening, you're always welcome to reach out to us. We always share these tips and can go into more detail, but yes, there are numerous manufacturers now who are offering sizes as small as I believe it's 10 millimeters because they understand that, um, no two breasts are the same and no two nipples are the same. And even on these, the same person, you can have one breast that is a different, um, flange size than the other. So may mom is one that comes to mind that, that offers incredibly small sizes in a, in a wide array of sizes. Um, there's also, um, silicone options, which I actually really prefer to the hard, uh, hard plastic flanges. I feel like it just makes for a more um, comfortable pumping experience. And anytime something is more comfortable, you're more apt to continue to do it. And, um, especially for women who have extremely elastic tissue where no matter what flange they use, the tissue is kind of engulfing the flange tunnel and hitting the back of the, t- the flange tunnel. I really recommend silicone because it can kind of hold back some of that tissue and again, make for a more comfortable experience. So some of the options on the market and one in particular that I really like is Lactech. I think they've just done a wonderful job in terms of their, their silicone options. Pump and Paul is another one that's great. And we also offer some silicone options. So we have inserts that can be placed inside of a hard plastic flange. So we have sizes ranging from 15 to 21 millimeters. And you can put that into any 24 millimeter hard plastic flange and be able to reduce the diameter of your flange. So it's a kind of easy way. You already have the 24 millimeter on hand to be able to insert that and go. Okay. This is so interesting. So I'm, I'm just thinking like, why do the manufacturers make these bigger sizes? Is that just so they cover the broad range and nobody has it too small that it doesn't fit at all? I honestly don't know. That's something that um, my lactation team and I have talked about a few times. I, I want to say it started with companies like Medela, um, yeah. who initially had like the Symphony and some of the more hospital grade pumps. I, I am not sure why they started with the 24. I'm sure there's, there's some sort of factoid out there that explains it. But yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And it might be because they didn't really understand breast and nipple anatomy at that point. And so, like you said, they thought bigger was better. So there would be kind of free movement of the nipple and that would help with milk release. And now we're understanding that your nipple and the flange size should actually be pretty close in size. And that's the best way to, to ensure you're maximizing milk output. And of course, using your hands and all those things too. I think they kind of all work in tandem, but yeah, it's very crazy that, that most uh, pump manufacturers are offering way too big of a size with their kind of traditional pumps. 
And this is where, when, when we think about breastfeeding and, and you're saying this is painful, it hurts. Is, is that what's causing it? The, the wrong flange size usually? Yes. So usually it is because I'll say it's twofold. Sometimes it's because moms think that they need to crank up the pump suction and they feel like that's the only way that they're going to get a milk release or be able to, you know, to, to cut some of the shape that like shave down some of the pumping time. So they think if I turn it up, I'll only have to pump for 10 minutes instead of 20. And so that obviously can be very painful because this is really sensitive tissue. Right. And we're kind of pulling it in through a plastic tube. So when you're cranking up the suction, I mean, that would be, I, I kind of cringe just thinking about that. Um, it's painful. The other part is of course the flange size. So yes, if you're using a size that's too big, you're pulling in not just the nipple tissue, but also the areolar tissue. So that can be painful. And if it's too small, then you're dealing with some friction and kind of chafing and painful tugs on the tissue. Um, one thing that can work as kind of a short-term solution while you figure out your flange size and the optimal size for you is lubrication. So we offer a pumping spray that you can spray directly into the flange to help with that. But there's also coconut oil. I've heard some use olive oil. I would not recommend using nipple cream. It's a little bit too thick, but coconut oil just kind of dabbed inside of the flange tunnel can do wonders in terms of comfort, especially if you're already experiencing soreness or discomfort and you're really kind of dreading every pump session, try lubrication as a short-term solution until you figure out your flange size. Okay. That is so, oh my gosh, there's so much good information here. So when I was breastfeeding, I thought that nipple lubrication was to put on after you're pumping, you're supposed to use it during pumping. You can do both. I know some people who will also put nipple cream on after pumping, or they'll put some coconut cream because that can be um, coconut oil because that can be healing as well. But uh, yes, I do recommend using it during your pump session so that you can have kind of a really well-oiled flange tunnel. And so that there's no friction and no kind of chafing tugs while you're pumping. But yes, there's, there's definitely some benefit to using it after pumping too, in between sessions. So you can just kind of let your nipples heal. And if you are experiencing soreness, the best thing for you is moist wound healing. So, you know, whatever nipple cream or ointment that you, you know, prefer to use, just make sure that you're really kind of saturating the tissue and kind of promoting that moist wound healing. Cause that's, what's going to help you to heal as, as fast as possible. That for me was one of the biggest thing. And when you mentioned those moms that dread every time they pump, like that was me 100%. I never wanted to do it. It was always such a bad experience for me. Are there other ways that you feel like women can be more comfortable during before, after just the whole, to just make it less painful. So there are some mindfulness tools you can use. Some will do guided meditation while they pump just getting into a headspace where they're very relaxed and some find that it actually helps so that they have a higher milk output because their body's relaxed. They're able to trigger that oxytocin release. And hopefully, you know, that means more milk output. We actually have a meditation guide that we're coming out with. It's going to be completely free to listen to. Again, we just really, it's important to us that moms are supporting their pumping journey and we'll do everything that we can to help with that. So that will be available to download very soon. And we'll have some challenges on our Instagram, Instagram page around that. So having moms try out the meditation guide and coming back with their feedback um, and doing some giveaways around that as well. Another thing you can do is just incentivize yourself to pump. So I've read, you know, there's different things you can do. I like Hershey's kisses. 
Um, so I would leave out eight Hershey's kisses by my breast pump. And every time I went to sit down to pump, I'd have one. So for my eight sessions, I, I got to have a little bit of chocolate each time, you know, things that you like doing, do them while you're pumping. So if there's a really favorite show that you're watching on Netflix, watch it while you pump. So that's something to look forward to the middle of the night. I would say it's almost, oh gosh, it's so difficult to wake up in the middle of the night, especially if you're finally getting some good sleep, babies sleeping longer periods and you're having to wake up between two to 4 a.m. It's, it's painful. One thing you can do is drink a big glass of water before you go to bed. I know it's silly, but your bladder will wake you up before anything else. And, you know, as soon as you're up, start pumping. And then just being mobile, I think is really important. I was talking to a mom just recently who's going through some postpartum depression and we talked about her. She's an exclusive pumper. And we talked about how she's kind of been tethered to the wall and she feels like she can't leave the house. And, um, it's so difficult. I mean, especially with COVID and everything we, I think we've all been very isolated and to not be able to leave with your baby to even go for a walk because you feel like you're going through this endless cycle of pumping and then feeding baby and then washing bottles and then starting the process all over again. I totally get it. That's why I highly recommend a portable option if you can. So I know a lot of uh, insurance provided pumps now are portable, which is amazing. Highly recommend looking into one of those. Um, Spectra S1 is one that I ended up using for quite a bit because it eventually I I could not be tethered to the wall anymore. And it's a little bit bulky, but I figured out a way to attach it to a fanny pack (laughs) so I could walk around and go on, go to the park and go for walks with my baby and, and all of that. There's also mobile options. So we do have some mobile breast pumps as well that we sell like the Amani I2. I don't recommend using it every single pumping session. It doesn't necessarily maximize milk output the way that a, an actual um, electric breast pump does, but it's a great tool to have when you're out and about. You're, you're able to insert these breast cups with their pump attached to it directly into your bra and just go. So for someone okay. who has to return to work, this that's a great option. Can we talk about that for a second? Because that's a newer, I think it was, it was the EV pump, right? That was the first one that came on the market. Yes. The LV and the Willow definitely LV. paved the way. Yes. That's right. Okay. And so you no, it's amazing. hanging out and you have these little cups, you put them into your bra and they just go, or are they battery charged? I've never, I've never used them. What can you tell us? A yes, little bit yeah. They're battery charged and, you know, absolutely LV and Willow really paved the way for mobile pumping. Uh, they've done a fantastic job with their technology. We offer um, the Imani, which is a more affordable option around mobile pumping. It comes with two clear cups and then a motor, the pump motor directly on top of the cups. And just like you said, you, you'd slide it right into your top and you could wear something baggy over it or jacket. And they're pretty discreet. They're pretty quiet. I wouldn't say the cups are discreet, but the actual sound of the motor is pretty quiet, quiet enough that a nurse returning to work a hairstylist, someone who's on their feet a lot, a lot of wait- waitress who really doesn't get a lot of breaks to pump would be able to use it and still be able to, you know, pump during their, their work sessions, which is so important because we know that, you know, when moms return to work and they're not supported by their employer, it can cause just a cascade of problems like clogged ducts, mastitis, reduced milk supply, having to supplement more with formula. And so, you know, if, for whatever reason, if you're not given pump breaks, which by law you should, should be, but we all understand that that sometimes doesn't happen. Mobile pumping can be a great option. So for anyone that's listening and thinking, yeah, I'm going to do that all the time, but you mentioned it shouldn't be the only, it should be just sporadically used or. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you, if you're able to do this, I do recommend having your day-to-day pump that you're using something that's high quality. I mentioned Spectre is a great pump. Um, I know a lot of moms use the baby Buddha as well. It's an extremely small breast pump that for some reason is just crazy powerful. It's smaller than a cell phone, but the suction strength is just insane. So that's another one that a lot of moms find works well for them. So definitely have that as your kind of plan a pump. And then the mobile would be the option that you'd use kind of like you said, just on standby when you're out and about. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't some moms who find that the mobile options actually work really well for them and they're able to use it all day, every day. I just would hate for someone to get just the mobile option and find, wow, I'm getting like half the milk output that I was getting with the rental that I had from the hospital. Then you may be that person who you need to have both options. So yeah, it's, it's a great tool to have. I love that we, we have mobile option and pumping is an option now, but just kind of check out your options, especially if you are able to get an insurance provided pump as well. So combination of mobile pump and then insurance provided pump. Can you talk a little bit about that? I remember when I had my first daughter in 2012, I don't think at that time it was an option, but then later on with all my other kids, I, I didn't really need it because I had it, but I remember my insurance and through my employer, they said, Hey, we want to make sure you know about this. So is that something everybody gets, or can, can you talk a little bit on that? Yeah. So everyone should, should be eligible for an insurance provided breast pump through Obamacare. So when I, you know, six years ago when I was looking really the only options were kind of Medela pumps, which I was not super happy about. And I actually have tried this specific Medela pump and just did, did not work well for my body. I did not respond well to it. But now that I look on some of the DME web- websites, oh my gosh, there's so many options. You can even get an LV or Willow through your insurance. So the Spectra pump, as I mentioned, um, Amida has a great pump. The Mia motif has the Luna. So there's some, some amazing options out there that are are portable as well. And yes, I would definitely recommend if you are currently expecting to reach out to your OB, um, to talk about your options. Sometimes prescription is required to be able to use your insurance provided pump. So try to do that within the last trimester of your pregnancy. So you've got that ready to go as soon as you deliver your baby, but yeah, it's very exciting to see so many options now. I know it is amazing because these are, you know, two, $300 pumps. So nobody really should be buying one at Target anymore. You should be getting it through your insurance. Well, so sometimes not every pump, especially kind of the newer ones that are out there, they may not be available through insurance and they might not even be available through Target. I know that Target has the Spectron. I believe they have the LV as well, but there, oh my gosh, there are so many great pumps that have come out just in like the last two years. So Definitely. If you're looking for more kind of education around breast pumps, we highlight a lot of them. I know there's some other accounts on Instagram who do as well. I also highly recommend if you're on Facebook, there are some Facebook pumping groups. There's, oh gosh, there's the dairy Queens is one. And some of these groups have, you know, upwards of a hundred thousand members in them. And so super helpful guides to, you know, if you're initially starting out pumping, what to look for in a breast pump, how to maximize your milk output, what to look for, for a flange, um, all of those great things can be answered. So I just love that we finally have this great lactation community where, you know, hopefully what kind of what I went through never happens again with the mom, because she has these tools in her arsenal to be able to understand, um, what is essential for nursing and pumping and how to do those things effectively. I love that there are communities for this now, because I, 
I always go back to when I had my daughter in 2012 and I felt, I mean, alone on a lot of avenues, but even with this, it was, it was just not talked about. And so, you know, if you were struggling, you thought I'm struggling and I'm the only one and everyone else is easily doing this, but we have more data now we have communities. And I love that this is a open ongoing conversation, you know, with the community. One thing that we do see is reselling and sharing. What are your thoughts on buying a breast pump from someone else, especially maybe these more expensive ones that aren't covered by insurance? Um, I think obviously if you do not have the financial means to, to purchase a new pump, it can be a good option. I would just ensure that you are getting fresh, brand new pump parts. Anything that came in contact with the original owner's milk um, would be something that you'd want to replace. The great thing is most breast pumps now are closed system. There are a couple of one-offs in um, the Medela line that are not, but most breast pumps are closed system now. And so the chances of any bacteria or any hygienic issues with, with these breast pumps is low. That doesn't mean that it's zero, but it's low. And so always, if you have the option to get a, a new breast pump, that is a way that I would, would recommend going that avenue. But if that's not an option for you, um, just make sure that you're replacing all the pump parts and accessories. And that was kind of what I was thinking. As long as that part's new, then the pump is okay. But what about, I mean, I had four kids. Do these pumps, does the motor lose steam after a while, or is it, you know, you can use the same one for all four of your own kids. What do you think on that? They do. Yeah. I, and I actually noticed this personally with my, my Spectra pump. I I absolutely love my Spectra, but I noticed and of course, because I was exclusive pumping and I had low supply, so I was pumping, pumping quite a bit. I was anywhere from eight to 12 times in a 24 hour period for like the first three to four months, because I was really trying to build my supply as much as possible. So, you know, I think that the motor probably wore it out a little bit faster than someone who's pumping occasionally or one to two times a day, but mine actually burnt out. The motor burnt out within six months and oh, wow. Spectre was wonderful. I had a warranty. So, you know, I was able to get a replacement, but yeah, I think most of them, um, if you look at their warranty, they say they last, I believe 1000 to 2000, um, hours, or they have warranty for about one to two years. And so I do always recommend if you have the option to get a insurance provided pump between children, absolutely go for it. Take advantage of that. Especially as we have new innovation around breast pumps. You may, like you said, you had your first in, in 2012 for someone who maybe has not been in the pumping game for a few years, you yeah. might be pleasantly surprised to see that there's some great options out there now. I love that so much. And then I want to go back to one of your first tips talking about using your hands. Can you give us a little more details around that? You know, I think the assumption assumption is a lot, a lot of times is that um, the pump alone is going to properly drain your breasts and help and, and uh, maximize milk output. And with the research we've, we've found, especially um, from Dr. Morton at Stanford university and highly recommend going to that website. Cause you'll see some videos around this and they'll go more in depth about it. But Dr. Morton did some, some research where she had um, mothers of premature babies and watched them over, I believe the course of eight to 12 weeks. And initially had them hand expressing right after having their babies and then move them over to pumping with hand, um, hand compressions and hand uh, breast massage while pumping. And then she had the control group that were, that was not using their hands at all. And what she found was that, um, those who use their hands established their milk supply faster. They had a more robust supply and they were able to maximize milk output by a considerable amount. 
So I always highly recommend using your, your hands. You want to be very gentle with it. It's not something where you have to be bruising or kind of really squeezing your breast tissue. That's precious cargo. Um, make sure you're using a very soft hand. I always say um, kind of what you would do to check the ripeness of a, ch- of a peach. That's how gentle you want to be with breast massage. Oh, wow. You can start at the, yeah. And then I think a lot of times we're really tough with our breast tissue because we're like, come on, give me more milk. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but you, you want to start at kind of the upper quad- quadrants of your breast tissue, right? Kind of where your armpits are kind of slowly stroking down. Um, you can um, kind of tickle around the breast tissue do just some light stroking, some um, light kneading, compressing of the tissue. So just kind of literally between your hands, sandwiching the breast tissue and gently compressing all the way around all the different quadrants of your breast. I also really highly recommend hand expression after pumping. So not to be confused with hand, uh, hand compressions. This would mean you're done with pumping session. You've unplugged, you've removed your flanges do a couple of minutes of hand expression right after that. And this is another thing that you want to be very, very gentle around your nipples. Um, There's an area right behind your areolar tissue is where you want to place your fingers and be able to press back gently against the breast wall and compress. Um, And so why I recommend that is because you're literally stripping those last few milky creamy drops of milk So you're getting that really high fat content and also just you're ensuring that you're fully draining your breasts, which can help to prevent clogged ducts and help to, again, maximize your milk supply, especially if someone's struggling with milk production. This might be just a very easy way, very quick way to increase milk production. If you start hand expressing after every pump session, it does not have to be long. It does not have to be a long ordeal. Put a timer on for three minutes and just kind of start alternating with each breast. Um, It can be a messy process. So I do recommend kind of hovering over a measuring cup or a bowl and trying to collect the milk that way. You also want to make sure that your hands are very clean when you're doing this too, since you are collecting the milk to feed your baby. But yeah, hand, hand, oh gosh, using your hands is so important. And again, I'll recommend going to the Stanford University website and looking up Dr. Morton, M-O-R-T-O-N. Highly recommend looking into research. She has two videos that where she talks about um, the mothers that were participants in her groups and the results of her studies. Something I would have never, ever thought about. Like you said, I just thought you put the pump on, it does its job. You're good to go. I remember, um, what, what is the other one? That's a newer one. It's, it's a, it's a cup, no motor, but you just kind of let it hang out there. And then that's when I thought you needed to use more hands. What, what's, are do you, you remember the name of that one? Are you talking about kind of like the Hakka and the yeah. silicone? Yeah. Um, yeah. So With those, I kind of just say, set it and forget it. Um, A lot of times when I would use that with my second baby is in the middle of the night when I wasn't pumping as much as I did with my first, because we finally got the hang of nursing my second. And so in the middle of the night, when I wanted to be able to collect some milk to create a small stash for when I had to go back to work, um, I would nurse them on one side. And then I would suction that hand, that silicone um, hand pump to my other breast to collect, you know, a half ounce here, an ounce there. And it really does add up. I know that doesn't seem like a lot. And I know a lot of moms can get really discouraged when they use it because they're like, this is nothing. But, you know, you really only need, I think they say something somewhere around 20 to 30 ounces for your stash for your first day back at work, because you're going to be pumping at work to refresh that stash for the next day. So yeah, that's, it's a great, that's, that's great that you brought that up because it's a wonderful tool to be able to create a stash if you 
do not want to kind of get in the high maintenance process of pumping. And then you're having to wash bottles and, you know, pump parts and all of that as well. But yeah, I mean, like you said, there was so many things that I didn't understand when I initially started my exclusive pumping journey and I learned it all the hard way. So anyone listening, who's going through that, don't be like me, (laughs) just grasp onto all the education. You can find support um, within Facebook and Instagram or through the lactation community. There are so many highly skilled lactation consultants out there. And Legendary Milk does a great job of providing a list of those IBCLCs around the U.S. and sometimes worldwide as well. So if you have questions about that or you're really looking for someone um, who has, has advanced training, let's say you suspect that your baby has a tongue tie and you're having a lot of latching and feeding issues and you really want someone competent to do that feeding assessment with you, please feel free to reach out to us. We'll try to find someone in your area who can help. If we can't find someone local, there's some amazing lactation consultants who do complete remote work. They only work virtually and they're still able to assess for feeding issues and then get you in um, contact with a pediatric dentist, a body worker, anyone within that care team that can help to, you know, what is the ultimate goal? Helping you and baby to feed more effectively. Luna, this is so much good information. We could really talk for 10 hours about <laughs> I did um, like it. <laughs> no, it's, you are a, absolutely a wealth of knowledge and definitely Thank a reflection you. of what you guys have on your social media. And again, I love it's so education driven and it's free content. So if you guys liked everything that Luna's talking about today, definitely head over there. We are going to do a really quick fire round to get to know you a little bit better. (laughs) Um, Okay. Are you ready? Yes. All right. What are you currently binging on TV? I actually just finished a show, um, yellow jackets. I cannot remember what, what station it's on, but Oh gosh, it was such a fascinating show. I highly recommend it. It's about a group of um, soccer players in high school who fly to a competition and their plane crashes in the Canadian wilderness and they spend 21 months together in isolation. Uh, It's just a really fascinating story. And some of my favorite actresses from childhood, like Christina Ricci is in it. It's just, it's awesome to see her in a kind of a main role. Um, So yes, please, please watch that. It was really good. Okay. I heard of that actually. And it sounds amazing. So I'm definitely going to, yes, I can't, I was dying at the end of the first season. I didn't realize that it was going to take like, from what I'm reading, like two more years for the next season to come out. That's the word. Okay. What is the most recent book you've read? I will be honest. I don't have a lot of time to read with, with uh, I have a toddler and a six-year-old at this point. So honestly, there isn't a lot of time to read when I do. I like to read purely for entertainment. Um, and so Elona Andrews is an author that, um, I've pretty much read everything that they have. We're, we're based in Austin. I live in Austin and they're also in Austin. So, um, got to support a local author. So it's more kind of fantasy. Um, and I, I don't know, like action, but, uh, it just kind of takes me out of any sort of mind space I'm in and just is a great de-stressor. I love that. Um, how about what's your go-to productivity app? Um, you know what? I don't use a lot of those to be honest. I, the only thing I can think of is when, um, and this is my PSA to go to your pelvic health physical therapist. I think every single woman who has had a baby should be checking on their pelvic health. It's not talked enough about in the U S but, um, I went to my pelvic health PT and she helped me with kegels and, um, really strengthening my core. And so she actually 
helped me to download an app, which um, would go off at midnight every single night. <laughs> so that was my productivity app. And that was my signal to, to do kegels in bed. Cause that was really the only time with baby feeding, you know, nonstop day and night. Um, and so, yeah, I, that's kind of <laughs> a little bit TMI, but no, um, I love it. <laughs> and yeah. I, I have been hearing so much about uh, uh, pelvic health, physical therapists lately. And every time I hear it, I'm like, I got, I have to do that. So this is, I think my final reminder that I must go see somebody because I've, I never heard of it until recently. And now I feel like it's, everywhere. And it's never too late. I, you know, I think there are women who, they're 20 years postpartum and are, are getting the pelvic health that they so desperately needed 20 years ago. So yeah. I highly recommend it. If you're, if you have experiencing pelvic organ prolapse, um, incontinence, any sort of diastasic recti, they are so helpful. And many of the exercises that they had me do at home, um, have ex- just uh, leaps and bounds improved, uh, my DR and some of the, um, just the core issues I was having where I just felt like my core was extremely weak. So yeah. yes, highly recommend working with one. Okay. And last question, what's your go-to de-stressor? Um, so I like to do a lot of, um, at home exercises. I don't get a lot of time to go to the gym and with COVID, I kind of canceled all of that anyway. And so I found, um, a mom who, um, put together this whole program. I think it's nine weeks long. Um, and it's solely around the postpartum period and, um, her account, this actually, you should definitely, um, have her on the podcast. So, um, her name is Ashley and she, um, her account is glow body PT. So I do the workouts with her every day and it feels like I'm talking to a friend. It's, it was recorded in her house with all of her kiddos around. And she understands that most of us really have very limited time to work out. So most of the sessions are only 30 minutes but she incorporates cardio and weightlifting, which I love. So, um, that's kind of the main de-stressor. I try to do that every morning if I can, before the kids wake up. Um, and yeah, she's just, it's, it's great to support another mom. Um, and especially where it just feels very natural and organic. And this is just another mom going through her morning with you. Um, so it's kind of like working out with a friend. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So again, this was amazing. Where can everyone find you though? So Legendary Milk's Instagram account is, um, you know, typically where we have the most support and our community is the largest there. So highly recommend going there. Um, We have a customer service team that you're always welcome to reach out to if you have any questions around um, nursing or pumping any of our products. They are all certified breastfeeding specialists as well. And then we have another team of lactation educators who are IBCLCs. So uh, feel free to reach out to us anytime through email or social media. We're happy to help. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you.